for Radio 1 91FM podcast. It's history time. Come on, tell your friends. We'll visit New Zealand's ancient lands with Jamie the host and Dr. Valetta Gillibut the historian. Our fun will never end because it's history time. It's a Thursday morning. That means it's time for history time. I'm joined by Dr. Violetta Gillibut. Morena. Morena, Jamie. How are we today, my friend? Very well, thank you. So marvellous to see you for the last time of the year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'll be back at it again next year. Soon 2020 will be history. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, hey, look, it's been good for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the end of it has been anyway. Um, radio, we, so last week we were kind of, in terms of um, our travelling through time and with migration to Aotearoa, we got up to the 1970s um, and, you know, around Norman Kirk and, and, and coming of Robert Muldoon. But we want to write, rewind back a little bit um, just so we can understand the structure of Aotearoa uh, and the movement from rural communities into urban centres. And that kind of began with a shift from Māori during the Great Depression, Yes, um, at least the beginnings uh, took place definitely in the Great Depression. I mean, you can imagine at that time, early 20th century, uh, rural communities, especially um, in tribal districts, are already struggling. Mm-hmm. And um, the struggle gets even harder when the Depression hits. So a number of single Māori women or um, single Māori folk, usually younger, um, left their communities and kind of began trickling into the cities looking for work. Um, and they were kind of the, the front runners. Yeah. Um, established a foothold there. And so when people really started to move in um, greater numbers during the Second World War, um, there was already uh, some something there to meet them, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, no doubt the manufacturing sector was starting to really lift off around that time too. And then with, with the advent of World War II, um, you know, they were doing building munitions and, and whatnot. So there's a big sector, a war sector as well going on. So that would have been brought more rural and those people that couldn't go to serve, mm-hmm. uh, but rural women and those people that couldn't go to serve to come into the cities as well, right? Oh, for sure. It gave them the means. And um, Māori weren't conscripted to um, to fight, so to speak, but mm. they were mobilised uh, industrially. Yeah. And, of course, the Māori battalion was formed by tribal committees and the like, um, but there was no hard-set conscription as such. And so a lot of people ended up making munitions, um, making canvas and um, other kind of essential commodities to fuel the country during wartime. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, of course, the soldiers came back and a lot of them probably stayed in the cities. Yeah, um, for sure. So uh, that was the thing. I mean, uh, we talk, we uh, like we see terms like urban drift um, yeah. and the like, but there was a lot of intent to it as well, um, especially among the younger generations that folks um, wanted um, a better quality of life, more opportunities for work, wage earning, um, and wider experiences. So a lot of um, Māori who migrated to the cities ostensibly just to work in the war industry ended up staying on. Yeah. Um, and, you know, post-World War II, we also started to accept refugees, and we touched a little bit on that last week, but you're getting uh, around just after the war um, with all the UN conventions, of course with the United Nations being formed in 1945 um, to replace the League of Nations, mm-hmm. um, we accepted 5,000 refugees or displaced people from all over Europe. Um, 837 of those were Polish, um, with the majority of them being children in 1944, so there was a lot of people coming out from, from different parts of, of Europe around that time. Up until the 1960s, we were still getting people from the Hungarian Revolution 
Um, and in 19, the 1950s, New Zealand signed a bilateral agreement to get skilled migrants in from the Netherlands, which is interesting because, you know, you've got their industries being wiped out. Somehow Britain hasn't. So we're starting to get less and less migrants from, from Britain mm-hmm. because obviously the Germans never made it to the yeah. British shoreline. So their industry is still going, but Europe's devastated. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Completely. And so you've got all these um, folk looking to establish a foothold somewhere else and, uh, you know, return to being useful citizens, living, living uh, good lives. So, yeah, New Zealand took a whole lot of people. And, of course, um, European folk were favoured because at least um, from a visual standpoint, they would be able to assimilate better or so it was thought. But um, especially with accepting such numbers of refugees and um, with opening up later to migration from the Pacific, uh, it all sounds quite forward thinking um, mm-hmm. when we think back to you know the late 20th century New Zealand we leftists here you know wouldn't think um, they were too progressive at all but it becomes a whole lot easier to understand when we see that um, that urban migration uh, of Māori into the cities um, had already made New Zealand's cities a whole lot more diverse yeah. than they had been prior to the Second World War and so um, the road was paved in that way um, for the face of New Zealand to start changing. Yes and you know and there it did uh, enlarge in the 1960s um, I guess you're getting a lot of migration from, from Europe and they're coming over and starting industry mm-hmm. um, and we needed workers in those jobs. So the manufacturing sector was bo- booming in the 1960s. We needed more unskilled labour and we looked to our neighbours for that. We sure did, to our Pacific neighbours actually. And so um, a number of uh, Pacific migrants um, were actually New Zealand citizens, um, whereas others there was the agreement of friendship, say, with the Cook Islands. Oh, no, that was with um, Western Samoa. Ah, thank you, thank you. <laughs> We've got to brush up on my Pacific history. Cook Islanders were New Zealand citizens, uh, yeah. 1949. There we are. So yeah. we had um, folks like domestic servants, uh, d- domestic workers, um, factory labourers, uh, and the like. So mm-hmm. a good uh, number of people coming over and really that was where New Zealand's post-war boom came from. We needed those numbers, that labour. And um, also, of course, there were lots of international conflicts still raging on, yeah. not on a global scale necessarily, but there was certainly that thinking, populate or perish. Mm-hmm. We need lots of boots on the ground. We need to build ourselves up because goodness knows communism might come around the door. Yeah, that's <laughs> right, that's right. Uh, and it was in Southeast Asia, mm-hmm. um, and you had a few conflicts over there. I mean, you look at Cambodia, I mean, that's a little bit later on in the piece. Um, but, there, uh, of course, there's Vietnam uh, and other areas of conflict too, and we started to get um, refugees from those nations as well, right? Yes, we sure did. And also uh, the Colombo Plan from uh, 1950, a really interesting um, aside there, that we were bringing Asian students in from Malaysia, from Thailand, from Indonesia. And this was all in order to (laughs) prevent uh, the diffusion of communism among these young people because then they would ideally take their liberal democratic Western ideas back back to their home communities and, wow. uh, you know, I mean, very optimistic, but yeah, a good uh, few early Asian uh, visitors across here were um, brought over at the behest of the Colombo plan, and some of them actually stayed, married and started families. Interesting. So was it a plan, was it just New Zealand, obviously it wouldn't have been just New Zealand, they must have had a summit in Sri Lanka, I would imagine, if we're looking at Colombo. Yes. Uh, unless they're talking about the TV show, which I doubt they are. No, no, um, we had uh, Australia, Britain, Canada... Uh, and New Zealand involved as well, among some others. Um, oh, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, then Ceylon. So. Yeah. 
Oh, Dean Salon. Well, yeah. Sorry, I, mean, I said Sri Lanka. I meant Salon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, should know, I should know better. That, that's amazing. And then there's other migration from uh, Southeast Asia. So um, that, that, once again, is, is diversifying um, New Zealand more and it's becoming more vibrant and multicultural, and that's amazing. Mm. I then came an economic crisis in the 1970s. Now, that led to increases in unemployment, of course, and crime, and this disproportionately affected Pacific Island communities. Yes, most certainly. And um, for, you know, ironically, as uh, often happens, these folks were further, further marginalised, um, being targeted as uh, overstayers, quote-unquote, dawn raids. Um, and just that talk coming up again uh, during hard times when, um, you know, folks of difference are often singled out for taking jobs or what have you. I mean, yeah. all of that dirty stuff came back up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Labor came in to save the day. <laughs> wow. <laughs> or somewhat, at least in the 80s, there was a major review of immigration policy. Yeah, yeah. And all of those um, qualifications that were previously sought from migrants, certain racial attributes, mm-hmm. um, certain cultural, linguistic attributes, um, more or less put aside completely. Yeah, yeah. We went it's- solely for skills. It's really interesting, though, like, you know, at the same time the dawn raids are happening, hmm. um, the um, crackdowns on, on um, overstayers uh, by the New Zealand government, at the same time the people of Aotearoa are um, fighting apartheid uh, and they're, you know, early, a little bit earlier they were joining the people of America in terms of fighting civil rights. You had Bastion Point. Quite right. I mean, these history uh, always seems very contradictory in that manner. Often you can have um, these extremely progressive, even revolutionary currents existing alongside some more conservative forces. And um, even these amazing uh, movements here had blind spots. Yes. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, it was de- it's definitely a very complicated uh, time in New Zealand history, uh, the 70s and 80s. Indeed, indeed. Um, so, I mean, things changed a little bit in the 80s, as you said before. Um, at one point, we, we lowered the threshold of, of, of you know, language tests and, and things like that. Um, and then in 1978, there was a new Immigration Act, and that brought in a points-based system. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, points regarding uh, skills that may be brought in, perhaps um, assets that were already in possession, and also um, it may be looked at uh, links to the country, existing links to family, um, to folks that might be able to provide support. It's funny how, in a way, it's kind of come full circle. Well, not really full circle, but if I think back to um, when we began this series, uh, we talked about Asian immigration to New Zealand during the gold rush and then all those years of persecution against Asian immigrants uh, by the peoples and the governments. Mm-hmm. Um, we get up to the 90s and the 2000s. There, there's not a rush of Asian immigrants into in the country, but there certainly is. Uh, they are starting to come back again, and this time uh, the governments are uh, welcoming them with open arms to a point. Absolutely, um, definitely a, a vastly different demographic to uh, the waves uh, of Asian migration that we saw in the 19th century. Um, and even in, in most of the 20th, I mean, folks were usually of humble means. Yes. Um, and travelling under some very harsh conditions, living and working in very harsh conditions, as you say, um, the jobs they worked weren't pretty. Um, gold mining or market gardening, this was all hard work. Mm. And um, these folks were dirt poor and they were looking to take some money back to their family, perhaps bring their family over here. 
Um, not so much the uh, newer generation of uh, migrants. They're certainly more moneyed. Yeah. Very well established. Mm-hmm. And um, with a tendency to be older, I believe, as well. Yeah, that's right. That's um, right. It's kind of uh, more of a retirement destination <laughs> or a tourist destination, some kind of a, a holiday destination. So... I mean, I think we can put a lot of that down to the changing face of Aotearoa as a whole. Um, We've gone from being a frontier society, a part of the new world, as it were, Mm -hmm. um, a rough and dangerous place where if you've kind of got enough pluck and courage, your fortune might be made, um, to, uh, you know, very uh, wealthy OECD country (laughs) that everybody wants to um, visit and appreciate and kind of, you know, we're very well developed and we're catering towards those... um, I guess different markets. Yeah, as yeah. a result of it. Oh, yeah, and I know certainly that we did get a spike in um, googling immigration uh, law to migrate to New Zealand. What was it um, after Trump's election victory? Of course, in twenty sixteen after Brexit. Yeah. So who knows? I mean, New Zealand has received a, a lot of good folks due to travels uh, overseas. Mm-hmm, Hopefully, that's right. long may that continue. Indeed, indeed. I mean, we would not be the country we are today without migration, obviously. Yeah, uh, sure. And every single person from every area of, of the world that has come to New Zealand has shaped the country that we live in now. Oh, yes. Um, and it's, uh, it's a pretty special place to live, so we're pretty lucky. Yeah, we love it. Frankly, yeah. a really optimistic note to uh, end the years. In the, in Great the podcasting on. <laughs> well, thank you so much uh, for being a part of this for 2020. And I, we know that you're leaving um, Utiputi. Yes, I am. I am uh, heading to Tamaki Makauro, uh, Auckland. Ho- hopefully through the technology that we live with now, um, we can continue the series through 2021. Why, yes. I'm looking forward to it, Jamie. All right, thank you. Well, have a happy holidays. Happy Hanukkah. Yes, kia ora. <laughs> <laughs> See you, mate. That was a Radio 191 FM podcast. You can find more at r1.co.nz or wherever quality content is found.